I think the movie is best viewed think imagining Michael Bay on a steamroller waving an American flag as he <laughs> <laughs> as he plows right through nuance and subtlety will saying I got this guys Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 394 with our review of 13 Hours, colon, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Carson Patrick. I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, as we said, we were talking about the new Michael Bay movie, which is about... The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. It's called 13 Hours. Um, how I'm are sorry. you guys doing? I'm sorry, you pronounced it wrong. It's pronounced Beardghazi uh, or uh, Baygazi. I think it's like a tomato-tomato type of thing. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's Michael Bay and all those guys had beards. Right, yes. Gotcha. Well, because you, you got to see this movie. Yeah, you got to see it. Or if you're French, it's Benghazi? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, how are you guys doing tonight? Wonderful. <laughs> Pretty good. I, I actually just got back from seeing the movie. So a little... Went through a little bit of intensity, I guess. Qu- quite a few hours of watching um, watching Benghazi happen. Yeah. And walking back and recording immediately. Not not, thir- not 13 hours worth of it, but I mean, at least no, a good only two, two and, and a half. half about. Yeah. Strong. <laughs> So so why why does Carson sound so angry? Uh, <laughs> I'm not. Okay, you're you're just you're just you're just fronting for the. Uh... I just never know what to say in the first couple minutes of of this whole thing. Yeah, I know it's gotten tough. It was nice when Skeet Shooter 420 or whatever <laughs> used to email us <laughs> when he used to, to to FedEx us peeps so that we could taste them on the air. Literally the dumbest thing. <laughs> That was pretty much yeah. That 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 was pretty stupid, but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know where to go from here. Tried we, so we, hard. If uh, you know, you know, a moment ago I said if you're joining us for the first time, this is what we do. Um, if you weren't joining us for the first time, you may or may not have listened to our incredibly long end of the year recap episode, and uh, I think Carson should formally apologize for <laughs> doubling the amount of movies that he was talking about because. Um, that was, that was a long ass episode. I'm sorry, I felt bad. Yeah, and I, so I texted Chris. I texted Chris right after that. It's like this John Mulaney bit where he talks about how like you, when you want to write a happy birthday sign, you start with like a giant H and a giant A, and then you realize <laughs> like you have no room to finish the word. Okay, we've all gone too big too fast and then run out of room. We've all made a happy birthday sign. Wait. <laughs> You get that poster board up and you're like, I don't need to trace it. I know how big letters should be. But to begin with, a big ass H. <laughs> Followed by a big ass A and oh no. Oh God. Okay, all right, real skinny P with a high hump, with a high hump and then we'll put the second P below the hump of that first P. Sort of like a motorcycle sidecar situation. And now I have no room for the Y, so I'll do a kind of curled up noodle Y. Block letters and cursive look good together. And then you go to write birthday, and you totally forget the lesson you just learned with happy. That was us, like numbers 10, 9, 8, 7. We were just like, oh, let's talk for 20 minutes about this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And then the end, it was like five, go, four, go, three, go. Yeah, my number one, whatever. And and also there there was the we had the convenience that Stephen and I had like a few films that overlapped on our list, so it allowed us to have already talked about it, so that we could scoot on without having to spend too much time on it. So we we made it through that episode. It, it nearly killed me to edit it and get all the artwork and stuff for it and put the crap on the site. But so hopefully, even if you list subscribe in a podcast, you should just hit the show notes on our site just just to to make me happy that somebody actually looked at it. I mean, as much as I love making Chris roll his eyes really hard, uh, in retrospect, probably not a great idea. 
<laughs> to cram two movies into one. But, you know, I feel like we would have talked pretty long. We would have done, like, almost the same thing and then realized, oh, ran out of time. I don't know. <laughs> you, know you know what really was the worst part about it is I, so I finished the episode. I added all the artwork to all the tracks. And uh, for Steven and I, for, for people who subscribe to the chaptered version, you know, there's an image for every single film that we're talking about. And I, for, for Carson's, I combined two images to make an image that would fit in the space. And then that chapter has two images in it. So after I had exported the file, I forgot, I realized that I forgot a certain bit of metadata for the episode. This is all really super exciting for everybody. But anyway, yeah, keep going. So, so, <laughs> so I exported it, realized it was missing something. So I had to export it again, but I had thrown away uh, Carson's images because I didn't need them because I had already exported the episode. And it turns out that though the program duplicates any audio you add to it into the project file, it doesn't duplicate images. It references them outside of the app. So I'd thrown away the files, which means I had to go get all 20 images and then recreate these images to put into um, his his uh, tracks. So it was all good times. Oh, no. Uh, but, so I have to know for the collage, do you handpick every scene? Because the collage has like like a hundred things in it. It was handmade. It was like the, an Etsy product. The <laughs> the collage is using uh, artwork from the moviedatabase.org. Okay. So these are pre-selected images that are all available in a carousel from like, it's like, you know, it's like another IMDb, but they have some images that are convenient for use in this purpose so I, I nabbed a bunch of those and used them for the collage so it's still it's still involved searching for all the films and then copying out all the images and bringing them in but luckily you know there's programs that compile things into collages and junk so it was a well, bit of work i think it paid off because i i think it looks nice as always i'm always impressed with the uh level of professionalism as i said Look professional as f- <laughs> well, I'm until glad. you listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, that's a different story, but you it, know. it is true. I that I should do like a a um, like a director's cut of that episode that's like two minutes long. <laughs> that's just like uh, <laughs> like the audio clip of us naming what the film is, just in a row, like beep 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 beep, and then. <laughs> done. But yeah. uh, that's more work than I would like to put in on the episode mm-hmm. that's already published and released. But anyways, oh, an episode well. that isn't yet published and released, except for if you're listening to this right now, it is published and released, but you know what I mean. In the near um, future. We're here to talk about 13 hours, yes. which is just an hour shy of our year-end recap episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and this movie, it, it follows an engineer who uh, is like out in the desert and a rock falls on him, and um, it's kind of a cliffhanger <laughs> the way it ends. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe that's I feel 127 like, like 14 hours. hours of it were cut out. <laughs> oh, well, it's the director's cut. <laughs> anyway, so do what do you say we get into this episode, guys? Benghazi is under attack. We need immediate assistance. U.S. ambassador at risk. You gotta send us. You're not the first responders. You will wait. Let's go! We gotta move! We have no jurisdiction in this country. We're not even supposed to be here. Losing the initiative. Stand down! If you do not get here soon, we are all gonna die. None of you have to go. We are the only help they have. Any friendlies? I am not aware of any friendlies. Let them come. Let them come.
unleash hate on these guys. What you do right now will determine whether we live or die. As long as I'm doing the right thing, God will take care of me. If you don't send our support, Americans are going to die, including the one talking to you right now. You're not giving orders anymore. You're in my world now. I haven't thought about my family once tonight. Thinking about them now. Up here in the middle of all this. Shoot that son of a bitch! Thinking about my girls, man. So that was the trailer for 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. And it is basically a dramatized telling of an event that took place um, 11 years after 9-11, in which an ambassador's compound and a CIA um, secret annex, whatever compound, were both attacked by Islamic insurgents. So, Carson... You expressed some excitement about getting ready to review this film <laughs> a few days ago in our little iMessage thread. So, sure. Uh, did this film turn out to be as exciting as you expected it to? Uh, I found it to be very exciting, yes. Um, I think, uh, well, I don't know where to start exactly because there's a lot to, uh, to admire about this movie. I think, for one, that, that uh, I think it's best. I think the movie is best viewed um, think, imagining Michael Bay on a steamroller waving an American flag as he, <laughs> <laughs> as he plows right through nuance and subtlety Will saying, I got this, guys. Um, <laughs> and I think there's something to be admired about that because uh, I think it's way better than stuff like American Sniper and uh, Lone Survivor. Uh, just on a purely entertaining level, because uh, even though there is a lot of, I guess, sensitivity to the to the subject matter, uh, I think that the fact that Michael Bay just came in and said, I'm just going to still make a movie that's 100% my style, uh, there's something to be admired there, for sure. Like, I, I think that, I think the movie really just doesn't hold back in terms of just being ridiculously entertaining, uh, for better or for worse. It's almost just so wrong, it's right. And uh, I, I think for that reason alone, it's worth seeing. But I think that as a legitimate action movie, it's extremely solid. Like, I think that, you know, like with any Michael Bay movie, you're always going to get some form of uh, well-done action sequence you know, amidst all the 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 haters out there, but uh, I, I think that there's nobody else that's going to deliver a movie in exactly the same way that's advertised. And there's like a lot of people out there saying like, "Well, I thought since this was about Benghazi, like we'd get a little more, you know, Benghazi. <laughs> we get a little more subtlety in subtlety in in the Michael Bay uh, filmmaking style." And it's like I don't know why like you would want that to be honest. Like this is almost like Michael Bay's Hateful Eight because it's it's <laughs> it's almost just him in pure a hundred percent form injected straight into your veins because there's just a lot of. Uh, his tendencies on display here to the point where he like reuses shots from other movies. <laughs> um, most notably the, uh, Pearl Harbor bomb dropping shot and, uh, <laughs> a couple of other things like, like shit just got real. And, uh, instead of welcome to the rock, it's welcome to Benghazi. But anyway, um, I, I thought I, I enjoyed it a lot. I think that there's a lot to, uh, well, I'll just stop talking for now, but I, I, I just say the bottom line is I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed the fact that that the sort of the elimination of all the, like, sort of high-classness that you would get from a movie like this is ignored, and uh, in the end, I think it almost comes out feeling more genuine uh, instead of just trying to, like, handle it delicately, so. All right, Steven? So you might be surprised to know that while I I actually disagree with a lot of the specifics Carson said, I agree with his conclusion. I actually like this one quite a bit. Um, I I didn't 
think it was amazing, but I was pretty impressed. But it's funny because my feeling was for a Michael Bay movie, this was actually mildly restrained, like not in the action (laughs) way. Like he, no, like his filmmaking style is as coked out as ever. Like he knows how to make a very kind of intense in your face action scene. But he doesn't go into the kind of like hero worshiping hoorah of like a lone survivor or an American sniper. Like he set out to tell a very basic story, which is how does it feel to be one of these guys in this situation? And he he isn't trying to say like, isn't this amazing? Aren't these heroes? Like cue the slow motion music and everything. He's like, no, you're here. You're in like an intractable situation. Let's watch the 13 hours go down. And for that, I feel like his style is actually pretty great for what the movie tries to do, which is just make you get exhausted by how, like, (laughs) how absurd this conflict was, how, like, nobody set out to help. And it's just over and over and over again, people attacking. Um, So, yeah, I, I would say if this were not a true story, I have no idea how it would hold up as a movie to me. Because oh, I think to, it would still be just as entertaining. And because it would just I, in, a, in an action movie form, I guess. Because I feel like as a pure action movie, if you didn't know what was true, it would just seem like like a 300 after 300 of like, okay, they're coming again. All right, they're coming again. All right, they're coming again. <laughs> but But because it's like actually real, or at least that's what he's trying to convey, then it works for me. Like that kind of exhausting fight after fight after fight thing like i dug it in a way that something like pain and gain gets too exhausting for me um basically yeah so michael bay being michael bay i think works very well for what he's trying to do here um like yeah i don't know i i read a few people commenting about the movie saying that he like he's oversimplifying and he's making martyrs out of the main characters and i really didn't feel like that I feel like at best he's saying, hey, these guys, they were there. They were hung out to dry. And because they're there, now you're going to care about them. Like, I'm not – like, maybe he was waving an American flag, but it didn't feel like that was the point of the movie. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought I liked his frenetic camera work. Um, there were little things that are, like, the classic trope, like that Argo <laughs> xenophobic, like – hear a muslim chant at the beginning of the movie and you know i mean that kind of stuff gets old a little bit i I I can't hear that sound anymore without hearing carson's rendition of it (laughs) (laughs) well you know like the mix with the lion king (laughs) song (laughs) but you know what i i i you know what i i praised about or i think that is uh positive about this movie is there wasn't any of that shit in the score like the score Mm -hmm. was fully just uh almost like a, a Mad Max, just like total bass, uh, in your face, like, uh, Hans Zimmerish type of score. Yeah. It wasn't like the, Ooh, you know, like in the beginning, like how American Sniper opens up exactly the same way. You're just like, ugh, like every movie has to do that. At least he, he avoided that. And I thought that was, uh, I thought that was a big positive because. Yeah, no, I do too. And I think when, when he does have those moments of like, you're in a crowded marketplace or in the street or whatever, and you're surrounded by people and you feel like and you're out of place in this mysterious society i feel like that's what it would be to be one of these guys like yeah again i feel like it's a totally realistic portrayal of their point of view in that situation um (laughs) the only thing i do have to say is there is a single female character in this movie and she is just like the worst way to present a female character. Her only role is to be constantly getting in the way, literally fall on her face, have a big bro guy say, "I need your ears and your eyes, not your mouth." Dude, that, <laughs> and then that in was the so end, learns. And then in the end, learn to worship the buff guy, and like that is her sole role in the movie. So that that is ridiculous. It definitely is a very testosterone bro out but i feel like that flick. fits into the whole like the the whole steamroller aspect of like f- subtlety and f- nuance and f- anybody who's gonna like you know write a think piece about this because i don't care and you know there's no room for softies in this world 
<laughs> sure. So I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't that, feel that, like that he that needed negate the ability to write a think piece that gives all yeah. the ammunition they need to write it. Though no, but I was, but that's what I'm saying. Like he, I don't think he he cares if they do. Like it's just you know I I feel like that is sort of that that goes along with the style of that you know these men are men <laughs> like that's oh, sort yeah. of and, and that's why you know, like and and i i will too just, just to play devil's advocate i'm not justifying it at all because the the character is written pretty poorly but she is a cia yeah. spy like right. she is skilled at what she does but what she does is not point guns and blow things up True. so it's, yeah this this film is is a story about situations that are managed by spies and espionage turning into a situation that requires um like force with weapons and that is being passed to them so it's not just a story about look how dumb this cia girl is it's a thing about like these people who are good at one thing which is tactical like fighting with weapons and holding down a position and waiting for somebody to arrive need to take over the situation from the people who usually do it through diplomacy so okay so yeah she's good at something in the way that emily blunt in sicario is good at something which is to say <laughs> barely at all um, <laughs> which is finding dead bodies in walls yeah any anyway i like it isn't like they needed to make a charlie's their own type of badass warrior character like they're they're telling a true story it's just like why have those scenes like why emphasize this character if literally she's just going to be yelled at and then eventually respect the masculinity of everyone <laughs> um, and anyway that was it was unnecessary like for most of it i don't i don't blame him for the boys club attitude because i assume that is very much what a group of ex navy seals are going to be like hanging out so it's like it probably is realistic of their behavior, but that she just felt ridiculous. Um, but yeah, anyway, overall, like, yeah, I wouldn't say it's a particularly subtle movie, but I think this is the type of story where his way of putting you in the action is pretty much exactly what you need to know. Like the the insanity of it and the fact that it's hard to draw a broader conclusion beyond like, these guys were put in a really bad situation where they hardly even know what they're fighting for. For that, I think his style works pretty well. So yeah, it was it was not bad. It was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. It's um, I, I I sort of fall on Stephen's side when it comes to the fact that like I feel like this is almost restrained Michael Bay. Like it's definitely Michael Bay, but I feel like it's besides a few shots of the American flag floating in a pool. <laughs> Oh yeah, the American flag shots are ridiculous. In, in the first combat, and or like uh, insurgents shooting the American flag with AK forty sevens, like shots like that definitely feel like that. But but the story itself sort of necessitates that he can't go full bay in the story because this isn't a pro U.S. military film because these are not technically at the time military personnel they are a member of the it was like the gr it's the global response staff which is basically the cia needs people to protect their spies when they're going in to do deals so they hire like ex-military personnel um as just based they're like not really mercenaries so to speak but they're basically a private security force that is brought on to protect their assets and these are not military employees like these are people who literally have no military jurisdiction at all um and they're just in, in this compound and they were hired to protect certain people and that's what they have to do. So they're in a place that is like undermanned and some shit starts going down and their job is basically just to try to not die. <laughs> and I think that maybe makes the story more interesting um, because it's not like a full-fledged like here's this big epic thing that's happening. It's like no, here are some people who – all have you know like sales insurance people whatever uh, insurance insurance salesmen and like uh, real estate blah 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 they all have jobs back in the states that they are like well it's i'm i need to go here because i'm gonna make more money and they're just doing this thing and then shit breaks out it's like a day on the job it's almost like you know a cop in a city when a bank robbery happens like they're just doing their job, which most of the time just involves carrying a gun and driving back and forth to different locations. But then one day, oh shit, something went down. And it happens to be that the thing going down is pretty insane. Um, and the story is really reduced. I mean, in a way, this this film is sort of like if 
you took Mad Max and just removed all the cars. <laughs> so basically, it's 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 the same story. It's it's one long fight scene, except for the fight scene takes place between two compounds, and um, it's a lot of people coming in waves and bigger and bigger waves assaulting a place with bigger and bigger ordnance and. The way Michael Bay shoots his stuff at times maybe approaches the video gaminess. Like there's a scene where an insurgent is uh, sniped in the head as he's about to fire off an RPG, which then goes in the ground and takes him and a bunch of guys out. And like that totally <laughs> feels like like that would be the in the top ten best kills for the week in like Call of Duty or something like that, right? Like that's the yeah. type of thing that like makes the front pay- page of the Call of Duty subreddit or something like that. So. There are moments like that where it definitely feels like he's stylistically trying to show this battle. Um, But for the most part, it's really just these guys who are good at their job doing something that is really insane. And you're watching it in a way that's uh, pretty crazy. Like it it, like, you know, my heartbeat was going. It it was a pretty um, insane movie to watch. Um, I do feel that there is there are some things that are like put in there for like a very, very silly like not silly as far as comedic goes, but silly in that like it was a stupid thing to do. Like they're they're trying to make things overly uh, sympathetic for characters' lives and backstories. Like right before the attack happens, let's have everybody call their family and tell them how much they love them and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where uh, Jim from the office <laughs> is he th- the fight is breaking out and he runs in to send an unsent video from his laptop. Right then five minutes later he's on the roof going like. I haven't thought about my family one night since I've been up here. And it's like you you ran in in the middle of the battle to send a message to your family. Like clearly you're like clearly the film like the story is trying to communicate stuff to make you feel like, oh, in the moment they're like this. But these people have these lives back at home. And it's it's trying to do this balancing act that it's not really good at doing Um, or. There's one other thing I should have wrote down. I forgot. Like, there, there's another moment where, like, a character says something and then directly contradicts it, like, later on in the film. And it's just, like, one of those things where it's, like, those lines at the time. Oh, like, uh, so when the shit starts hitting the fan, there's a guy who, uh, the CIA guy who's in charge, who's the who's their boss, technically. He's basically saying they can't go help the uh, the ambassador's area that's being under attack. And... There's a scene where the one guy goes, he's like, you're done giving orders. You're taking them now. And then immediately that guy just walks away and starts giving the same orders he would have given before he made that statement. Like, like it's it's throwing these lines out there that sound really, quote, badass in the moment, but like really have no context for changing the story in any way whatsoever. And it's yeah, like, and I think that like that's what is bound to happen when you are constrained to a true story, but you still want to have the beats of an action movie. Yes, yeah. There are going to be these big confrontations that sound like they're building up to a change. And then the truth is, well, but nothing actually changed. Yeah. And also, by the way, apparently there was no order given to not go assist the other uh, base in real life. That was something that was made up for the sake of making the movie more interesting. Mm-hmm. And there, there is a. I mean, it made the movie more interesting. I think if they immediately would have like mobilized and just ran out, it would have been like, <laughs> the, like the the first thing of conflict is them listening on radios to the other undermanned area being attacked. So like, I'm I'm fine with that change. But um, but yeah, that that's more evidence towards that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, who knows how how much is actually true and added for a dramatic effect obviously and uh but i I mean i think it all it all works you know and and i think that uh, i did have the same thought during this movie that uh a lot of it does play like michael bay's fury road um (laughs) most notably Mm -hmm. in the uh pretty amazing car chase sequence that plays like the best mercedes ad of all time um (laughs) where the bulletproof Mercedes takes about every firepower imaginable. Oh yeah. And then rolls into the compound with the wheels still on fire. Um, but there, that, that Should've whole gone se- left. <laughs> that whole sequence was just like, <laughs> Holy shit, man. Talk about like, uh, movie moments, but the guy getting a uh, rocket launcher to the chest and then getting run over about three different times. <laughs> pretty sure that didn't happen, but, uh, looked great. Um, crazy action scene, man. I just think that the, you know, you're saying it, it feels kind of restrained for Michael Bay, but I still think it's 
100% him, but we get sort of the fluff cut out because I know a lot of the elite, especially with the Transformers movies, you know, a lot of the complaints is that it's too long. And um, I kind of had that thought going into this because I was like, oh shit, like I didn't realize the movie was two hours and 24 minutes. Um, but uh, the movie goes by like, like a rocket like it's it's it feels like it's over in like 10 minutes i i feel like they <laughs> i i feel like he sort of just like condensed everything to like one long action scene and any sort of like expository moments are are over pretty quickly and um there isn't you know that's why it feels even more intense is because you know and and and, and especially since the situation is sort of like that where it just it just keeps uh, pounding you and, and, and giving you, you know, it keeps going and going. And, and I think that just like all of that stuff back to back is, uh, it makes it seem, you know, a lot, a lot more intense than just sort of a, I don't know, since some of the other movies that, that he's done. But uh, I think it's a hundred percent him. I mean, down to the fact that, like I said, again, trying to, um, trying to develop some sort of nuance within the movie. Uh, there's a scene where John Krasinski is talking to his, to his wife and his kids. And like, I guess in another movie, you know, it would be like sort of like a cliche heartwarming moment, but in a Michael Bay film, it's a very like overly intense, overly dramatic moment at a McDonald's drive through. Yeah. So <laughs> followed by uh followed by uh the two dudes watching uh two dudes watching animal humping videos on YouTube. So even though it's about Benghazi, we still got animal humping thrown in. So <laughs> still still is there. By, by the way, I remembered the like the most egregious thing of, of the like moments where the lines sound really good, but they change the context of what the film is doing. Um so the kind of the filmmaking style and what's happening sort of implies that, um, you know, like the, the characters make a statement about how, like, you know, usually the first attack is just to, like, draw people out and the second attack is to just do this, whatever. And they sort of imply that the attack on the embassy was a way to figure out where the CIA annex was. And if they could start one attack somewhere, mobilize those troops, they could figure out where that base was and then attack that. But then at the end of the film, somebody makes the statement about how, like, oh, those mortar shells didn't just happen upon us. They had to be set up there for weeks. So it's like, why would you like try to push us to believe that this was all some ploy to figure out where the hidden CIA base was? If then you're just going to tell us that, Oh no, they knew where that was before the movie even started. They were just waiting for today to start the attack. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I definitely agree with all of that. I think in, in most military movies, then when they shoehorn in like the phone calls and Skype calls with the family home, then that's always where it, it, it tries in just one or two moments to like humanize the characters as much as possible. And you can almost always feel them straining to do that. Yeah. Um, I think like the reason I like a movie like this more than say lone survivor, which is also telling a true story of a, small number of men against many um is that in this movie they are not doing it solely for themselves like there are always civilians or other people that they're protecting and because of that you do get the sense that like these are people doing their job to serve and protect so you don't feel as much of a hoorah you survive you you know you mow through a hundred bad guys so you can make it out alive you you do feel more like they are protecting people because the government didn't adequately protect them in a way that wouldn't have led to this kind of ridiculous firefight um so i i think that's what makes me not have the same reaction i do with some of the other military movies that are like glorifying the the killing i feel like this is glorifying them being very good at their job but other than the poster talking about like brave men doing what no one else would, I don't feel like the movie takes that tone. The movie really takes the tone of like, look, this is their skill set, and they did an amazing job with it. Not not so much like heroic sacrifice as 
look at what it took to do this when the government neglected it. Yeah, which is, which is, I mean, Michael Bay has been doing that for years. I mean, he's, that's why he's the only filmmaker that can get like uh, approval from the military to use all their stuff is because he makes them look super badass. And uh, which makes this even more hilarious because they're not even really military. It's like Chris said, they're CIA guys. Um, but they feel like military, like they feel like the most badass people ever because they're presented in such a way. And I think that Bay's style, that, that, that style sort of fits in with like sort of the, the, the Uram, you know, military mentality. So I feel like it comes off a little more genuine than just really like trying hard to like in Lone Survivor or American Sniper, like really trying hard to, I guess, be respectful and patriotic to these people in the situation. And then it ends up coming off phony. Um, and then it also in, in those two movies, you know, there's, and I think we both, I know for Lone Survivor. Yeah, I know in American Sniper too, we both stated how ridiculously cheesy the villains were and um, how we got, you know, 24 Jafar level villains. Yeah. Uh, and it, here they, I mean, they're not really like, and, and also, you know, in those other two movies, like in Lone Survivor, they try and get you to like hone in on like one of the villains, you know, like, oh, this villain has a son and a family and, and yeah, an American, boss. right. And an American sniper, you know, there was that rival sniper with the eyeliner and he was bad um and here it's just like you don't really get that it's just dudes coming at you and they're scary and these guys need to protect where they are um and it feels more realistic that way it's not you know it kind of just goes back to the whole thing where it's like it's all about the guys in the situation and uh yeah I mean, the fact that this movie really takes place in only two locations is pretty pretty amazing because I think in a lesser film it could get really boring, but Michael Bay shoots this like 8,000 different ways um, from about, you know, 8,000 different angles, and it's just like, I don't even know what the shot list for this movie was. It was just like, <laughs> it, was, it was out of control, but um, yeah, like it never gets boring, that's for sure, uh, which... In a lot of movies, I think could because you know when you're constrained to one location, uh, it can easily go that way. But uh, man, there just there's just so much to look at and take in in this movie because it's coming at you so fast. Um, and I think all the actors are are really really good in the film. Like obviously John Krasinski, but James Badge Dale, Chase Palmer from Twenty Four back in the day. Uh, He's Pablo I mean, Schreiber from the. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought he was un really, really underrated. Like he was also bringing the the comedy a lot too, um, and obviously Roy. You know, this is a this is the uh, unofficial Threat Level Midnight sequel, but um, yeah, like I, I thought James Badge Dale. He's been doing a lot of like really great supporting work in movies um, where he just comes in and really steals the show, especially in The Walk and. Um, like uh, Lone Ranger and a bunch of like kind of big movies. And, uh, you know, now he's gotten a lead role and I think he really shines in it. So it was, uh, it was good that they cast sort of not unknowns, but people who weren't, you know, big stars. It kind of lended more to the authenticity of it. Yeah. And I liked it. And one thing, even in my Lone Survivor's Guilt thing where I have trouble with the Hoorah movies, I, I usually do hone in on the camaraderie and like the yeah. the particular language and the particular way people relate to each other. And I think these characters do a really good job of that. Like you very much believe that these are guys in this profession who hardly any of them, any of them with the exception of maybe one or two say a cheesy thing about like protect my country. Most of them are like, this is messed up, isn't it? This is crazy all right, let's move. Let's get on it. Like they really just felt like down to earth, actual people who just know how to keep a level head in a ridiculous situation. Yeah. I mean, well, and, and I think that some people might argue that the humor from the movie comes, I don't know. They might, they might argue that as like Bay's style of trying to interject humor into things that aren't funny. But, um, I, I think like, I think again, that adds to, 
not the, you know it, it kind of goes in line with what I said about not being delicate about about things you know and that I feel like that adds more to the the authenticity of the camaraderie because I think I feel like this movie at least to me I have no idea but it feels like the most authentic in terms of of guys interacting of like what how they would react to like these situations like I think like the character that that Pablo Schreiber plays like I feel like his reaction is and a lot of them is to just react with it in, in a sort of like uh facetious kind of way you know like the guy showing up and just be like oh like what the f- took you so long and he's like i was in the gift shop you know uh <laughs> like there's just like I, I, what else no, do you say none like, of that felt false to me at all i mean it, it was it was totally it, it totally felt like the real way these people drove yeah, especially no, considering they don't all these times when people like show up they they weren't in the shit they're just arriving to a situation yeah. that looks contained so it's not like it's not like 15 bullets fly by and shoot him in the arm he's like <laughs> just a flesh wound like it's yeah. it's very much like oh what's going on can i help oh cool you guys got it under control oh you mean it's really shitty here oh crazy let's get this going like it's no it, i'm I, just saying it, it feels it feels even more authentic than like in lone survivor yeah though to be fair a guy does say just a flesh wound yeah, he does. Real quick. Yeah, yeah, but he actually has just a flesh wound. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> that was possibly a bad example. <laughs> and, and you know, there's 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 people, um, and like Stephen kind of touched on it. You know, it's it's you know, Michael Bay has stated that this movie doesn't have a political spin, and and I mean, I I think that's true. Like, I think it is really just about the guys, like the people there, and and sort of uh, honoring them. And telling their their story, uh, and showing like the the confusion and the chaos of everything, and you know there at least there's no what I'm saying is like there's no character that you know no like Marlon Rando that turns to the camera is just like thanks Obama you know something stupid <laughs> like that, um, yeah. and then there's obviously like. I, there's no like direct finger waving, you know. I think that there's no, obviously John Krasinski does have some line, something about that some dot govs shit or something like that. Yeah, so yeah. There's a, there's, there's, there's a little bit. There was a few I, little jabs in there. Well, I, I more there... feel like that's the point of view of the guys who made the book. Like it's telling right. how they felt in the moment. Yeah, yeah and yeah, I, yeah. I think that's absolutely something that they would say in the moment. And I think that those little things are. I think they're trying to point out the f- of how like messed up the the bureaucracy of it all is, but they're not completely pointing fingers at someone in specific. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I well, mean, I, I think th- they I, they, I, they show like how like ridiculous it is to like you know we need an airstrike and like nobody's you know there's all this crap they got to go through and no one's really you know. But it's not just like like I said, there's nobody going like oh well, thanks Obama or whatever. Someone in specific. Well, I think that the real like thesis, I guess you could say, of the film, if you could even call it that, is is that these were people hired by the CIA for what is essentially covert operations. Like this is like if if this was normal military guys and something crazy went down, like they'd all be getting medals and you know it would be all over the news about like look at what these heroes did. But because this was like people hired by the CIA for a site that technically didn't exist there. It wasn't at the time something where it could be like, look at all these heroes. It was like, like, I mean, even at the end, like all the people who work in this base that are officially part of the government are like any, any survivors are being taken out on, on like nice fancy planes and they have to like hang hang around in the middle of a field and (laughs) wait for their shitty, like their shitty pickup because they don't technically exist. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's. It, it's sort of just it, it's just showing what they went through because that wasn't the focus of how this story is told external to the film that you're watching. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I think if there is a political thesis, and I'm not sure there is, other than you know, outraged. Um, <laughs> it is like either we shouldn't be there or we should commit to being there. Like we shouldn't be half-assing it because actual human beings are getting thrown under the rug when we do that so i feel like that's the one takeaway is that whatever happened there should not have been a situation where these few people had to protect so many others that the government wasn't willing to step in on and like i don't feel like 
Michael Bay ever tries to get political enough to say whether our presence there was a net negative or net positive. He's just saying that form of presence did not work. Yeah. Like that was yeah. just not too noncommittal to be useful. Well, there's, there's also the-, the little bit at the end where it kind of was, I guess, meant to be taken as an ironic statement when Pablo Schreiber tells the guy, you know, like, your country's got to figure shit out, bro, mm-hmm. or whatever. And I, I don't think that's, <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's there just because, like, that's something he would have said. But I, I just think that it's, I think it's also, yes, that sounds like something he would say at the moment, but then it's also just sort of like, yeah, well, you know, our country ain't perfect either, so. Mm-hmm. But also part of the confusion there, I think, is the fact that, like, so you have you have this, like, base of operations that is staffed by the local police force. It's backed up by a local military group who is theoretically unidentifiable. Like, they never know who's on that force and who's one of the insurgents. And then there's insurgents who are just in the city in general who are there. So it's like he – like, they don't know – Plus, there's like other rival groups that are just selling munitions back and forth that have maybe nothing to do with one group of someone else. Like, so it's really like it was just a situation in which like no, nobody knew who was there to help and who was not there to help and who was paying the people who were there to help because like the the police force that's supposed to help guard like as soon as somebody showed up and started firing <laughs> weapons, they just like ran and said, F- this, I'm out. Like, <laughs> I'm not paid high enough to stand guard on this shit. Yeah, and they just took off. So it's. There's like a lot of weird things in the uh, in in like the surrounding political system not related to like our location there that was already confusing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I said before, I would so rather watch uh, this movie than any of these recent like very stodgy military movies. Uh, and I think there is room for, you know, sophisticated war movies. Obviously, we've seen good ones like Jarhead and Three Kings, like modern, Zero Dark Thirty, I think. Zero Dark Thirty and, 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 but, and The Hurt Locker, too. But I feel like The Hurt Locker is more like this movie where it plays plays more like a, a pure action movie. And it's more about, you know, the characters. And, and like those, like, you know, stuff like Jarhead and Three Kings is like, it's 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 about the characters and... It's not really about, like, one specific battle or event, you know? And I think with Lone Survivor and American Sniper, it's telling these these modern military stories. And, it's and you know, this we're trying to do it in this, like, sort of awards-baity way. And it's just like, I don't think that's... I don't think that's the way to approach it, really. And I think Michael Bay's approach worked perfectly. And, I, I mean, this movie isn't going to be up for anything but i'd much rather see that sort of take on it you know like i i would love to see michael bay's take on the danish girl because i'd sure be a (laughs) hell of a lot better i don't i yeah i think that's a bad situation that i don't want to but you know what i mean i don't want that being a transformer but you know what i mean like i i would much rather see the unrestrained take on it because i feel like that ends up being the more honest version so possibly yeah so can we can we talk about the uh the big the, the, can we talk about Chekhov's uh grenade launcher <laughs> like there's a scene earlier on when they're when they're trying to hold off the attack on the first compound where one of the guys drops his grenade launcher the camera closes in on the grenade launcher to show it left on the ground he gets into the car and then the soldier goes damn, I forgot the grenade launcher. And then it never comes back. <laughs> like, I thought that there was going to be, like, something where, like, there would either be some heavy weapon somewhere that they couldn't take out without a grenade launcher or that somebody, like, would attack them using the grenade launcher. I, was upset. I, I did, too. I was upset that it didn't come back. Oh, no. That's not real life, bro. <laughs> it's not real life. <laughs> it made me so angry. <laughs> Yeah, I, I also that. I also enjoyed how uh, Roy from The Office was reading like Joseph Campbell or something. Oh yeah, the useless Joseph Campbell. Yeah, quote. and they, they kept they kept repeating it like Michael Caine in Interstellar with the "Don't go quietly into the night" thing. Yeah, it was just like <laughs> gods and heavens are in, yeah, within us. You know, uh, Rome was just like yeah, bro. Like so, you know, Roy was telling me about <laughs> Joseph Campbell and this quote, and he was and John Krasinski was just like. 
Oh, it's like just really crushing pancakes right now, bro. <laughs> that was like, you know what's funny? I so wanted pancakes after he said that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've never craved pancakes in my life. In the middle of that movie, I was like, I could crush some pancakes Dude, too, I think. I ate some pancakes yesterday, and that's the first thing I said was like, I am going to crush these pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting since Wednesday when I saw, after I saw the movie. I was like, I've been waiting, man. Waiting to get them. <laughs> I found Any, them. Anyway, it wasn't like the it wasn't like the stew in uh, Hateful Eight where it's just like, oh, where where can I get some stew? I, I don't think you can crush stew either. So pancakes <laughs> are the right the right food group. That's true. Well, sh- should we crush this review? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Good good transition. Yeah. Um, segue. So yeah, let's let's crush this review and get into our verdicts. Then uh, we haven't had time to finalize. Our, our new rating system so we'll just continue on for now with our old one carson if you're going to give this a must see a recommend with the caveat a wait for rental a pass with the caveat or a must avoid what would you give it um i would i would give it a, a must see purely because i think it should be in uh seen in a theater because it is very loud and very uh intense and i think that as a as a pure action movie uh it doesn't get it's it it it's this is this is pretty much the pinnacle. I mean, you, you're getting what you pay for, uh, and I think, uh, like I said before, I think Michael Bay's approach to it is a hell of a lot better than uh, going sort of the 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 classy route. Um, so I I enjoyed it purely for that, and um, it's it's very very entertaining, and. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was going to... Oh, oh, like, here's the other thing that you need to know, and you know that you're watching a Michael Bay movie. The movie opens in f***ing space. <laughs> like, <laughs> the second that happened, I was like, oh, yeah, this shit's going down, man. <laughs> so anyways, right. mu- must see. The movie opens in space, so you know it's good. Yeah, that's that's how you know the Transformers movies are good, too, because they usually <laughs> open in space as well. <laughs> This is yeah. 13 hours, dark of the moon. Well, yeah. <laughs> I wish Stanley Tucci had showed up and going, oh, my God. Dude, how great would it be if he was a CIA analyst and, like, the mortar shells are coming in. He's just, oh, my God. I could have seen the Tucci as uh, the, the chief, you know. He could have played a good chief. And, like, you do so- not have authorization. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, Gail from Breaking Bad is always good at playing those type of dudes, but... Uh, the Tooch could have been a good chief. He's well typecast as the like stick in the mud type. <laughs> like, yeah, like I will follow orders. Stick in the mud, completely. like uh, to the point where at the end, John Krasinski is just like, "Get in the fucking car." Yeah, I gotta wonder how that CIA person feels and how realistic his portrayal was. Because <laughs> this movie does not like him at all. He was the guy in the end of the film where they blurred out his face, right in the credits. I think they, they, did, they blurred yeah. out a few of them. Yeah. 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 I yeah. thought that was because they're like, oh, people are going to be pissed at him. <laughs> <laughs> he probably was just, like, so shamed that he didn't want to have his identity revealed. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, Steven. Yeah, I'm... So I know we want to get to a new rating system, and this movie would be good for it, because, like, I'm tempted to grade on a curve and go must-see, because I, like, I was pretty happy with what he did, but... I look back to all the other things I've given, like recommend with caveat, and it just seems unfair. <laughs> so I'll give this a recommend with a caveat. I don't think it's a perfect movie. It isn't a particularly deep movie and kind of opposite of Carson. I feel like this wouldn't make for a great action movie if you were not interested in the story behind it. But in service to the story, I think the way he tells it is very good and he doesn't slip into melodrama nearly as much as like the quote classier biopic movies would. And for a movie that's all about dysfunction and insanity, then I think that pays off really well. So a pretty strong recommend with a caveat caveat being don't expect an awards baby type biopic movie. (laughs) Yeah, It's, it's a good film about military personnel type people it's not necessarily a good film overall i mean i i agree it's it's 
if you have to watch this genre of film, this is probably going to be your best bet. And in that case, it would be a must-see. But I think in general, um, I have to give it a recommend with a caveat. Also, caveat just being that, like, if you... Like, this isn't going to teach you all why everybody was pissed about, quote, the Benghazi situation. Um, it's not really going to tell you anything about the, what happened other than the fact that there were, like, two bases, an ambassador was there, people got attacked, and some people died. <laughs> like, that's that's the only thing it's really going to tell you about the situation. So... Um, don't go into it looking for all the answers to why you were furious a couple years ago. Um, but it's, it, it presents, uh, the, the craziness of the situation in a really compelling manner. And, uh, it's worth a watch for that. So, yeah. And I would say, even if it doesn't give you the answers, it does, at least for me, it did a good job of putting a face on the outrage. Like I, when the news broke about Benghazi, I was not at all up to date with the outrage or why I should be so shocked. And like, this doesn't get into the high level politics. Like for all the, for all the ways the CIA guy looks terrible, it isn't clear from a top down perspective that he could have made better decisions either. Like the movie isn't showing you any of the upper stuff. Um, but it definitely shows why the outrage is real and why it makes sense. So I, I thought it did a good job of at least like shining a light on a story that just in text I never really latched onto that strongly. Yeah, yeah, and and I do think that if when you see this movie, the next like three movies that you see are going to seem very boring uh, in comparison <laughs> because I know I mean not that I'm I was expecting much out of uh, Ride Along Two or Norm of the North, but. Uh, I know that for sure I was just still had that like sense of like adrenaline and energy that is really lacking from a lot of from pretty much most action movies these days and just movies in general where you sit there and you're like, Ugh, like not even this can be, you know, you know what I mean? But anyways, it just it it yeah, it definitely uh, it definitely makes other movies seem very boring. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a good way to start the year off, right? Nice, right. action-packed, crazy movie. I feel like this happens every year. I think Lone Survivor was our first one two years ago. Yeah. Last year, I also think it was like a pretty action-forward January. I, mean, I can't with, remember why. I mean, with Predestination kicking it off, it's <laughs> it's all uphill from there. <laughs> I'm, I'm just glad this movie didn't have any ridiculous lines like, you can die for your country, I'm going to live for mine. <laughs> It, yeah. Again, it almost did. Though, I think a guy says like, "I'm willing to die for my country." Are you willing to die for yours, or something? Yeah, but that, that, yeah. that's like in the, in one of the opening. It's like the opening conflict moment of the film, and he's saying it to a guy who's standing in a street with a bunch mm -hmm. of armed dudes. It's 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 less of a like, it's less of a speaking to each other to like lift ourselves up, and it's more of a like, I'm gonna buff my way out of this situation. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. because like the next line after that. He's just like, welcome to Benghazi. Like, it's just like, <laughs> it's not a, you know. I feel like any moment where there is a line like that that could be, like, super cheesy, it's it's said in a very, like, quick, terse manner. And then there's it's followed up by a line of somebody saying, like, I've had to take a shit this whole time, man. <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, uh, I believe that brings us to the end of our review of 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. Um, Carson, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? They can. Uh, off the grid, brah. <laughs> but it's all right. If you, if you have connection to our military drones, you can probably use it to follow Carson next time he walks out of his uh, place. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> Steven, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me somewhere between Zombieland and Gate B, depending on where the tangos are. Uh, <laughs> or twitter.com slash sdavidmiller. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com you can use the contact form on our site, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to uh, 13 Hours, so hopefully 
you're enjoying that. Um, and if that's not available, it'll just be a hail of gunfire. <laughs> oh boy. But, but no, no chanting music, please. <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, I can't. I can't guarantee that that's not in the soundtrack for this movie. So it might be chanting music. Well, as far like I said, as far as I remember, it was not included in the score, which was a, a plus. Yeah, I think the only time it happens it is actually a part of the scene. Like, yeah, it's the like call actual, for prayer in the morning. Actual ambiance in the scene, yeah. not incorporated into the score to make you, you know. Do you remember that you're in the Middle East? It's like, yeah, I do. (laughs) I had no idea. All right. Well, we're going to take off. Thank you guys for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yep. (laughs) And thank everyone else for listening. We will be back next week.